Our scripture continues in the gospel of Luke in the 20th chapter. Before we hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us together as one heart turn to God in prayer. Holy Spirit, we trust in your power. We trust in your presence to overcome all that might block or distract in these moments. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, be in this place. For if you are not, then nothing else matters. And if you are, then nothing else matters. And let the people of God together say, Amen. Hear these words from the Gospel of Luke. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry or are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is not, he is the God, not of the dead, but of the living for to him, all of them are alive. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For Christmas last year, we bought Huntley the book, Would You Rather? Ooh, edition. Now, I know all of you are wondering what kind of questions are in the EW edition. So here are a few. Would you rather smell like fresh cut fish or rotten eggs? Would you rather brush with someone else's toothbrush or floss with used floss? Would you rather... Uh, Yeah, that's gross. (laughs) Would you rather grow hair on your tongue or fingernails on your head? Yeah. These are silly hypotheticals, the kind of conversations that you have at slumber parties or long car rides to the beach. They're the kind of questions that make us both laugh and cringe because they're absurd and in this case, gross. But what's a little silliness 
in the heaviness of living day to day. So would you rather answer a gross theoretical question about wanting hair on your tongue Or would you rather answer an absurd, nitpicky, theoretical, leverite marriage word puzzle? Because an absurd, nitpicky, hypothetical, theological question is exactly what the Sadducees ask of Jesus in this passage. What happens when a man dies childless and his widow must marry his brother and then the brother also dies childless and on and on through seven brothers until the woman finally dies and there are no children? That's absurd. Who does this this woman belong to in the resurrection? Of these seven husbands, whose wife will she end up being? I mean, what a doozy of a hypothetical question. On the surface, the way Jesus answers it is a little cringeworthy as well. I mean, it seems offensive to us that the relationships we hold dear now won't really exist in the resurrection. But let's not assume that Jesus is busy dashing our relationships on the rocks of his heavenly shore. According to Luke, the Sadducees, which are an elite group of Jewish priests and aristocracy, they don't believe in the resurrection. Now, maybe they were skeptical of the idea of physical resurrection or general resurrection. Or maybe they were pointing out the absence of its mention in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Maybe they're mocking the belief that the Pharisees and others had about the resurrection by coming up with such an elaborate, made-up scenario. Either way, Luke sets them against Jesus, which follows a pattern of chapter 20's encounters where Jesus seems to have contentious relationships with the Jewish leaders which should mean that we know to expect that Jesus and the Sadducees won't agree. We know to expect a rather rocky theological confrontation here. But even expecting this, I really don't think that any of us like this whole theological discussion. Now, it isn't surprising that the Sadducees would bring up the topic of marriage. After all, these are the men with the power. It's religious power, but power nonetheless. They are the ones with all the knowledge and the control over the temple. They spend their time debating the Torah. They're men with all the knowledge. They're supposed to come up with answers with solutions to life's weird problems using what they know to be true found in scripture. That's what Jewish religious men with clout did. So in the context of Jewish laws and Jewish customs, it isn't odd that their question center around men who die childless. 
It isn't odd that they're only concerned with the men who do not have anyone to carry on the family name. It isn't odd or surprising that they have no regard for the poor woman who was widowed seven times over. It is not odd that these men want to debate the control of bodies and determine relationships. But what is odd is how limited their scope is. It is odd that they don't seem to understand the God they find in the Torah is the God who cares for the widow far more than they imagine and in ways they cannot understand. What this theological discussion between Jesus and these leaders shows is that even in death, the Sadducees care as little for the woman in the resurrection as they would have during her theoretical life. Whose wife will she end up being? That's ew, that's gross. What isn't in their reality is using their knowledge of God to widen their scope of God's mercy and care. Instead, they are using their understanding of God from scripture to limit and restrict. Because the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, they assume that if there is some experience after death, it will mirror the life we experience now. And until we read what Jesus says, his harsh sounding words about marriage, his cryptic comments about what resurrected life will entail, until we hear these things from Jesus himself, I think most of us too assume that whatever lies beyond the this looks a lot like well, this. A few weeks ago, I was in the car listening to an episode of Fresh Air on NPR, and the guest was a science writer, Ed Yong. In his book, An Immense World, How Animal Senses Reveal the Hidden Realms Around Us, Yong describes the worlds that insects, birds, animals perceive, which humans can't. The sounds, smells, colors, vibrations, echoes, magnetic fields that exist beyond the limits of our own senses. Yang writes about animals with ears on their knees, noses on their limbs, and tongues all over their skin. As he puts it, Every animal, including humans, can only tap into a small fraction of reality's fullness. This book is about the diversity of perception in the animal world and the limits, the limitations of human perception. Did you catch that? Every animal, including humans, can only tap into a small fraction of reality's fullness. 
Yang explains, for instance, that human eyesight takes in the colors red, green, and blue on the light spectrum. Now, this is odd because most other animals can see beyond that. They take in UV light, ultraviolet light, the light that exists just beyond violet in the light spectrum. There are, for example, he says, fish that look completely uniform yellow. But if you look at them through ultraviolet light, you see that they have distinct patterns on their faces. There are loads of birds, including common backyard birds, where we think males and females look exactly the same, but they look very different to each other because they can see the ultraviolet patterns that distinguish between the sexes. Isn't that amazing? There is so much out there that we don't even see. There's so much out there that we don't even know. This limited human perception, taking what little we can know and assuming that that is all that is experienced, according to Jesus, that's a mistake. This is precisely where the Sadducees make their blunder. They insist that all life can mean is contained within the horizon of our own experience. By denying the resurrection, they acknowledge only what their limited experience can tell them. But here's the thing. Everything that Jesus does explodes our limited perception. Jesus is constantly seeking to reshape our expectations, reform our ill-conceived notions of how life looks. He is always moving and reconfiguring boundaries we have put up about who's in and who's out. Jesus is constantly deconstructing our limited worldview in order to expand our experience with and for each other and to expand our experience with and of God. Which I think helps us to see that it isn't, it isn't that Jesus doesn't love our marriages or our relationship with family members I mean, we can know based on this theoretical question by the Sadducees and from what we know about Near Eastern cultures that marriage was about building generations. Jesus isn't concerned about building generations and he's not concerned about having women be the property of men. Rather, he is concerned with the relationships that we have and ensuring that the ones we have now are life-giving. The woman who was forced to marry seven brothers does not have to bear that burden in the resurrection. PTL, praise the Lord. Jesus is concerned 
that these Sadducees are more interested in keeping tabs on guidelines and instead ignoring the relationship God implores us to have with the poor, the orphaned, and the widow. That's why he says, guess what, Sadducees? The God of your ancestors, the God of our ancestors, the people that we think are gone, is a God who's living and active. Jesus points out, we can only know so much. The two-sidedness of this hypothetical coin that the Sadducees throw at Jesus is their inability to see God's imperative of responsibility for a woman's life and their short-sightedness in claiming that we know all that there could be known about what's happening now. In short... All of this is wrapped up by saying there is profoundly more to life than just the human experience of it, even if we can't wrap our heads around it. I say this in the name of the one who is our God, active, alive. Amen.